1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19, Paul says, For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And if you're new here, what I would want you to know is that this is the heart behind everything that we do, is that we're here to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here to let people know that God is good, that he cares about you, that he loves you, that he made you, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life, that there is a future and a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And everything that we do is with this purpose of reaching people with the gospel. So Paul says in everything he's talking about, I want to remind you, I want to keep the main thing, the main thing. This is why I do what I do, to reach people. And then he explains it this way, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I want to talk to you today in our third installment of this series, Lean. I want to talk to you about making the cut, making the cut. If you're just joining us, we've been looking at this subject. The first week I talked about leaning on. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 6 says, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord and all your ways acknowledge him, right? So there's some things that we're leaning on that are not helpful. I'll give you some ways that you can lean on Jesus. Last week I talked about leaning in, the importance of showing up, how you need to lean into what God is calling you to do, whatever area. Maybe some of those disciplines, maybe it's in, uh, in what God is calling you in prayer or reading your Bible or maybe he's dealing with you about tithing. Any of those areas to begin to lean into that, the significance of showing up. Well, today I want to talk to you about leaning up, leaning up. Maybe there's some things that you need to put down and some disciplines that you need to pick up. And the reason that we do this, all of this, is so that we can be effective in the mission that God has given us to bring those far from God, near to life in Christ. I want to pray as we get into the preaching of God's word. It's always my custom to pray. So would you just bow your head with me as we go to the Lord today in prayer? God, we thank you so much for your word. And God, we know that it has the power to change lives. So use me today. God, speak through me. Let it be a rhema word for every person that they would hear exactly what they need to hear. A now word, make it come alive in their life. I thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I, uh, I prayed for the chiefs in our uh, first service, so I'm thinking that that's covered. <laughs> we'll see. You know, 
Scripture talks about not using vain repetition, so I didn't want to go into it again. But I was just thinking about it. You know, I said, I've never shared this before, but I, sometimes when I pray, I said, let it be a, a rhema word. That's just a Greek word. And what that means is, is a word from God to you. So uh, I recognize there's a lot of people that are new to the Bible, new to church. And so I just want to explain what that means. But I'm curious as I get into this message, are there any athletes that are in the room? Any athletes, former athletes, current athletes, wannabe athletes? <laughs> Some of you. Those of you watching online, just put in the chat what your sport is, what, what you do. Let me just see real quick. Uh, athletes in the room. Athletes in the room. Uh, I, I just I like to know who I'm talking to because I, I want to kind of determine how much judgment I'm going to receive as I tell you this next story. Um, it, this might not be a surprise to you. But I don't consider myself an athlete. So glad nobody laughed at that. That's hurtful. It takes a lot to get up here and speak to you. Yeah, I don't consider myself an athlete. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy sports or don't even play sports. In fact, it might surprise you to know that, I mean, growing up, I, I did really every sport. I was thinking back as I was writing this sermon, I can't think of one year, kindergarten through 12th grade, I can't think of, of one year where I was not involved in at least one league activity. I did all the sports. I mean, I did baseball. I did, I was in a soccer league. I did football. I did basketball. I did track. Hated that. That was a mistake. Uh, I did, I did, um, what are the other ones? I can't think of all. I did rugby uh, for a season. That was also kind of rough, being honest. Um, when I was, I lived in France for a while after I graduated high school. I, I tried kickboxing then. That lasted about a day. I got um, punched in the face way too many times and uh, was not good at that. So then I switched to volleyball, joined a volleyball league. It's a little more my speed. Um, I did a lot of sports. Probably my favorite sport I ever did, though, was wrestling. Can you believe that? That your pastor was a wrestler, not a wrestler. That's different. I, I, I wrestled. And unlike most you know, people, I think, who, who do wrestling. I didn't start when I was in kindergarten. I didn't start in elementary school. My first year of wrestling was as a sophomore in high school. So you got to picture this. Or maybe you don't want to picture it because the uniforms don't leave a lot to the imagination. But um, in high school, I was roughly the size that I am, like, height-wise. I haven't really grown a lot in my height since high school. But I wrestled at the 125 weight class. Now, I just actually just got a physical last week. Uh, I'll tell you, I weigh 195 pounds now. I wrestled 125 pounds in high school at the same height. Can you imagine that? I, I was a very skinny dude. And uh, I didn't wrestle 125 because that's what I weighed. I, I wrestled 125 because I was a sophomore, and I wanted to wrestle on the varsity team, and they had a spot open at 125 so, man, oh, man, if there's any wrestlers in the room, you know the drill. You know what I did. I did all the stuff. Like, I, I put trash bags on. I, I did, like, layers and layers of sweats. I ran for hours. What I, I told you about track, hated that, you know, and uh, didn't eat, didn't drink water, and shriveled up as small as I could, all to make the cut, all to make that weight class. And you're probably thinking, all right, I get it. Like, you're talking about fasting and all this stuff. No, that's, that's not the connection is cutting weight and fasting. That's not where I'm going. I just want to talk to you about sports because Paul in our text, I don't know if you know this, but Paul has this penchant for writing with sports metaphors in almost all of his epistles. You look through any of them, 
He always kind of slips in there these different things. It's like, you know, I've fought the good fight. He talks about, you know, I'm pressing on towards the prize to, to reach the goal. You know, the, the one, my favorite is like the one that's in every uh, Christian gym. You know, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Put that over the bench press, you know. Um, that's not really a sports verse, but I just kind of throw that in there. Uh, but yeah, all, in all his, his writings, he always kind of slips in these, these sports metaphors. In Hebrews, he talks about, you know, run your race with endurance and lay aside every weight. And when we get to this one, this one is kind of significant because he's writing to the Corinthian church, this church in the city of Corinth. And Corinth was a place that was known for hosting the Ismithian Games. You probably never heard of that before, but the Ismithian Games were, were like the Olympics, basically. Just like how, you know, there's, there's different uh, events that happen, like maybe there's World Cup soccer, but then there's like Euro Cup soccer. Well, this was kind of like that. That's what it was. It was another Olympic-style event, but wasn't held in Athens. And so when he's writing this, it makes a lot of sense. You've got to understand, like, like Corinth, Corinth was a very modern city. It, it, it had all the amenities that the Roman Empire had to offer. Like Corinth, it was the center of culture. It, it was filled with arts and entertainment. The climate in Corinth was very desirable, so a lot of wealthy people would move there because they, they liked what it had to offer. They enjoyed the climate. It had a lot of affluence and it had a lot of influence. It had a lot of influence because it started out as a military outpost chosen for its strategic location, it had some geographical advantages. And so it started that way. But then as it grew and, and began to thrive, those same uh, military advantages now became valuable to business and industry. That was the city of Corinth, then this place that was the height of culture, the center of culture, height of modernity in Paul's time, it, it was also a place that became known as where you could go if you want to indulge in any lust because Corinth had it all. Corinth had access to excess. And that's kind of the premise that Paul is writing to this church. You see, 1 Corinthians, it's, it's a very pastoral epistle. Paul started a church there. He spent 18 months in this area, second longest stint of his stay any place. It was not easy work. He, he, had, he had plowed, planted, really worked hard to get this church thriving. Now he's someplace else, and he hears a report that they're not doing so well. He hears a report that they're having some problems. He hears a report that they've lost their sight lost sight of their love for God, that, that they've abandoned many of the things that he instilled with them. And, and now as he's writing to them, this place that has every kind of thing that you could want, he's saying, I I'm hearing about you, Corinth, and I'm hearing there's not a lot of difference between you and the rest of the world. That's why he writes like, okay, you know, when I was with you, like to the Jews, I became a Jew. To, to those who weren't under the law, I became as one without the law. Uh, to the weak, I became weak. Yeah, you saw me take part in these different things, but the whole point of that, the whole goal was so that I could win people to Christ. Now that I'm gone, all I see is, is you're just taking part in everything that the world is doing, and there's no difference. And he's saying, I, I want you to understand that if you want to be effective in your work for God, if you want to be effective as a follower of Jesus, you can't approach Jesus and what God 
requires of us half-heartedly. You're not going to make the cut if you do it that way. You'll end up disqualifying yourself. It says to be an effective follower of Jesus, it, it requires some discipline. And that's what fasting is. Fasting is a discipline. It's not about cutting weight, but what it is about is stepping into God's purpose for your life. Fasting is a spiritual discipline for those who want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if I can be real honest with you, every year I fast and every year I lead our church in a fast, ask you to fast with me. The reason that I do that is because I am well acquainted with my inadequacies. I'm well acquainted with my inabilities. I know my deficiencies and I know the things that God is calling us to do as a church and the places he's calling us to go. And yes, I have some gifts and yes, I have some talents and yes, I have some skills, but all of that means nothing if God doesn't put his hand on it and bless it. And, and so the reason I fast is because I'm saying, God, I am dependent on you. I'm recognizing my dependence on God for what he's called us to do. And that's the first thing I wanna tell you is that fasting is hungering for God. Fasting is hungering for God. Fasting is not trying to get God to do something in your life. Fasting is not punishing yourself so you can get God's attention. No, fasting is hungering for God. And, you know, I was kind of having fun talking about wrestling and all that stuff I did, you know, to make weight, make the cut, and how horrible it was, how much I hated it. But the truth is, I've talked to a lot of Christians, and that's how they think about fasting. They think, oh, so what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to uh, put myself through all sorts of agony. I'm supposed to suffer. And all my suffering, God is going to look at that and think, oh, well, man, look how much they suffered. Now I'm going to bless them. Can I tell you, that is not who God is. That, that is not the way God works. And that is not what fasting is. Fasting is hungering for God. In fact, that issue I just talked to you about where we think, oh, I'm just going to put myself through this so God will do something. God actually addressed this issue in the Bible. There was a, a period of time, you can read about it in Isaiah, where the people of God, they were frustrated. They were frustrated because they were fasting and they weren't seeing any results. They had all kinds of problems and they were going through the motions. They were depriving themselves of food, but they didn't see God show up. And so there's, they say, and you read about it in Isaiah 58, verse 3, they say, why have we fasted, but you have not seen, talking to God? Why have we denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed? And in the text, you can read it for yourself. God answers them. He says, it's because when you're fasting, yeah, you might be denying yourself of food, but you're still giving in to your flesh. Your, your flesh, that part of you that is in opposition to God. He says, you're, you're still doing the things that you wanna do. Yeah, you denied yourself of food, but you're fighting with your spouse. Yeah, you, you denied yourself of food, but you're treating people unjustly. Yeah, you denied yourself of food, but you're still doing everything else that you wanna do. No, you, you missed the point. The point of fasting isn't to go through some religious ritual. You're doing the religious ritual 
But that's not the kind of fast I'm looking for. This is what he says in verse 6. He says, isn't this the fast I chose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to tear off every yoke? So, so in other words, fasting isn't punishing yourself so God will answer you. When you fast, what you're recognizing is there are some things that are holding me back in life that I need to maybe remove. And there are some things that God wants to remove from my life so that I'm not held back. Does that make sense to you? It's disciplining our flesh, or like Paul said, disciplining our body so that we can be more effective spiritually. Now, it's important to note, I'll just teach a little bit on fasting. Fasting, interestingly enough, it is mentioned more times in the Bible, 77 times, it's mentioned more times in the Bible than baptism. It's not to say that it's more important. I'm just telling you that in the Bible, you read more about fasting than you do baptism. Fasting, though, to help understand, there's, there's two kinds of fasting. There's a proclaimed fast. That's what we're doing as a church. I'm up here as the pastor saying, hey, let's all fast together. Why? Because we've got an important mission. We want to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. There is a city to reach. There are people to be saved. We want to be effective in the work that God has called us to do. So let's put some things aside. Let's seek God together. It's a proclaimed fast. But then there's also a personal fast. This is where God might be leading you to, to lay some things down for a season, maybe a couple days, three days, two days, a week, 10 days. Could be all sorts of different fasts in the Bible. Personal fast, lay some things down. Why? Well, maybe uh, there's something you need to hear from God clearly. And, and you got a big decision and you haven't heard from God. And God, I, I need to hear your voice. I don't want to miss it on this. There, there, might, there might be some areas in your life, some, some bondage, some things that need to be broken. That's what we read in Isaiah 58 verse 6, that the purpose of a fast, the fast that God desires is to break those yokes, to, to loosen the bonds, break the chains, remove the burdens in your life. By fasting, there are some things, there are some strongholds in your life that can only come off you by fasting. You can see this in the New Testament where, where there's this boy that was demon-possessed and the disciples tried to deal with it and they couldn't. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he's able to handle it. And they said, why, why couldn't we help in this situation? He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. There are some things in your life where you will only experience freedom through fasting. It's a personal fast. You might, God might put on your heart to fast because you have a situation in your family and you don't know how to deal with it. Maybe uh, it's a, it's a, family member or loved one, and maybe it's, it's for their faith in Christ, all sorts of things. Again, you're not moving God, but what you're doing is you're interceding on their behalf. And there's something about fasting that is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. You even see this with Jesus, sitting in my notes, but Jesus, before he started his earthly ministry, Jesus, the Son of God, he went away, he was led by the Spirit, it says, went into the wilderness, for 40 days he fasted. Why? Why did God need to do that? Because he knew that there is a supernatural empowering that only comes through fasting. So God might lead you in that. And what I want to tell you is that th this week, it can be both. We're, this is a proclaimed fast, but as we're praying that we would be more effective in what God has called us to do, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I I I'm fasting for you, for the things in your life that strongholds will be broken, that that people far from loved ones, people far from God will come near to life in Christ that will be more effective, that you'll experience freedom, that you'll hear from God. And so if you have some of those things in your life, 
That's okay. Join them together. Let's believe that God is going to show up and answer you, answer you and help you in this season. That's what happens when you fast. Fasting is hungering for God. When we suppress the things of the flesh, we become more aware of, we become more aware spiritually. It's kind of like, this is a, a medical fact, if you know this, but uh, medical fact, you know, when people who are born blind or maybe they become blind at an early age, not talking like from old age, but at an early age, their other senses become more aware. You can Google it, look it up. But like people who are, are, go blind, they, their brain rewires things so that their hearing becomes better. Their, their sense of smell becomes better. Their sense of taste becomes better. Why? Why, why is that possible? Well, that same thing that happens physically, that's true spiritually. When you suppress those fleshly desires, cravings, your spiritual awareness is heightened. And some of you have been wondering, it's like, man, I haven't felt the presence of God forever. Man, I, I haven't heard God's voice. It's, that's why you need to fast. It's not that God's not speaking, but when you suppress your flesh, those cravings, you, you suppress physical senses, your spiritual awareness is heightened. It's kind of like, have you ever, um, anybody ever see that movie uh, a few years ago, Bird Box? Anybody ever see that? Has nothing to do with my sermon. I just want to know who the sinners are. You need to fast. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, uh, that movie is, is kind of a weird movie, but like they had to be blindfolded and all that kind of stuff, but they had to listen for these birds, right? Like that was their warning sign. I'm just like, that's the same thing. I'll just turn anything into a, a spiritual application. Because like when you suppress the things of the flesh, you know, it talks about how when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. I don't know. Like you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He'll warn you about some things. We, we, we suppress the things of the flesh. Our spiritual awareness is heightened. And here's what I just want to ask you. Like if this is your, your church, if you're part of church, I just want to ask you to participate. Just join in. Join in. And I know there's probably lots of you that would think, uh, it's not really convenient for me. It's not a good time for me. Uh, and I don't really want to. Can I be honest with you? This is never convenient for me. It's not. And I never really want to. <laughs> it's the truth. But that also reminds me why I need to. It's the second thing I want to tell you. Because when we're not hungry for God, we're often too full of ourselves. When we're not hungry for God, we're often too full of ourselves, too full of something. Illustrate it to you this way. I, uh, I have four children. All of my children, really none of them are too picky of an eater. Maybe Pippa, my youngest, she's the pickiest right now. But none of them are, are overly picky. However, all of them have a sweet tooth. And this is not unique to kids. I, I know that. But um, one of my children... I think really he, he takes more liberty than any other child to just help himself to junk food at, at his will, at leisure. And I don't want to name him because I'd never want to embarrass Oliver like that. But <laughs> Oliver, I got to tell you, like, like he just, he will just, he sees candy. He's like, I'm, I'm just going for it. And to kind of put things in perspective, my wife, like she decorates our house. Like candy is a decoration to her. There is a, Candy for every holiday, in her opinion. I mean, there's Valentine's candy, of course. 
There's Easter candy. She's got like Fourth of July candy, of course, Halloween candy, Thanksgiving candy, Christmas, chocolate, and mint. Like there's a candy for every holiday. For her, it's decoration, but to Oliver, it's delicious. So he sees it on the table. He sees it out, and he just helps himself, grabs a handful. But what happens is we sit down to have dinner and say, oh, I'm not hungry. Well, of course you're not hungry. Now, the problem isn't that he doesn't have an appetite. The problem is that he's been filling himself with garbage. So when something that is put in front of him that is good, that is helpful, that will help him grow, he doesn't have an appetite for it. And sometimes I hear people like, ah, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm, like, I'm not really feeling church this weekend. Well, yeah, of course you're not feeling church this weekend because you've binged Netflix all week. You've had the news on 24-7 for the last three months. You live on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, of course you're not really feeling it. I get it. And please understand me. I'm not down on any of that stuff. I do all that stuff except for TikTok. That's of the devil. But the rest of it, it's all good. All right. I'm not down on any of that stuff. Just like we have junk food in our home. It's all right. That's not wrong. But what is wrong and when, is when you let that fill your appetite so that you don't have appetite for what really will help you. So I'm just trying to help you with this because if you don't direct your hunger towards the right things, your hunger will direct you towards the wrong things. You get that? This is why fasting is important. It's been so long since you've had a touch from God because you've been filling yourself with stuff that's not helpful, feeding only on carnal things in your life. You've got, like the Corinthian church, access to excess. I heard it said, I don't know who said it, most of us, we've got too much to live with and too little to live for. Our, our lives are filled, and so when we fast, we remove the excess. I told you, I'm asking our church to fast this week. Our staff has been doing it longer. I started earlier than that for one of the things I'm doing during my fast, because you don't just like put food down or put something down, you, you take something in. So for my Bible reading, I've been during fast, I'm reading through the entire Bible in 30 days. And I'm not telling you that to brag, I'm telling you that to set up this, this story. Because I've been reading through the entire Bible and you know, when you do that, you're reading like, like I started, you know, you're reading through Genesis one day, you know, reading through Exodus one day, you're kind of doing like a book at a time. And so I was, started out January, I knew we were in this series and I was reading through Leviticus. And like, I mean, whoever gets anything out of Leviticus, can we be honest? I mean, like Leviticus, that's what you usually like skim over. And uh, you know, it sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense because Leviticus, if you don't know, um, it was kind of like a guidebook that God gave to the Israelites, really to the Levitical priests. That's where Leviticus comes from. So they would know how to approach God, how to worship God. And so in it, like the whole book, it's a bunch of sacrifices. It's, you know, there's five main sacrifices and kind of goes through all these particulars. And, and a lot of them, you know, animal sacrifices, blood sacrifice, and they, they uh, put the animal on an altar and burn it. And so anyways, I was reading through Leviticus in a day, and I never noticed this before. But when you're reading through, like throughout this whole book, it was like it said, you know, talk about these animals. And they said, and, you know, remove the fat and put it on the altar. So they, they would, um, like, with the sacrifice, lots of times part of it would go to the priest and part of it would go to God. And so they would say, remove the fat, put it on, on the altar. Re remove the fat, 
cut away the fat, burn the fat. The, the fat is a sweet sacrifice to God. All the fat belongs to the Lord. I mean, this is like, I'm like, makes me want to die at reading this. Okay, so I'm, I'm going through this. And uh, I, the, there's lots of ways to interpret it. But, you know, usually we interpret it like, okay, all the fat belongs to the Lord. Okay, so God gets our first and our best. And that's what we talked about. Like the, the first part, the best part, you make sure that goes to God. But as I was reading it and thinking about this series and, and the fast that we had coming up, I, I saw something I'd never thought before and just how when we remove the fat in our lives, remove the excess in our lives, that's a sacrifice to God. That's an offering to God. It, it's a sacrifice to turn off entertainment for a week. Some of you are like, okay, but starting tomorrow. I'm going to watch the Chiefs tonight. Um, it's a sacrifice to put those things down. It's definitely a sacrifice to not do food. If you don't believe that, you've never tried it. It's a sacrifice. But when we cut some of those things out, it, it's pleasing to God. And it allows God to move in our life. That's really what I want to tell you. It's the third thing is that before God moves in our life, he'll remove something from our life. Before God moves in our life, he'll remove something from our life. It's interesting, every time you read in the Bible where people fasted, not only brought deliverance in a crisis, not only brought answers to unsolvable problems, brought increase, brought favor when people were experiencing lack, brought freedom, brought help to them. Whenever people fasted, you see God show up. But what I want you to understand, it's not that God is withholding anything. God's not withholding anything from his people. He's not withholding anything from us. What I'm trying to help you see is that when we fast, it creates space for God to fill. Let me do a throwback. Sometimes you gotta make, make room for a miracle. I preached a whole series on that. I'm about to give you that whole series in this one point. Sometimes you got to make room for a miracle. God moves in the space that we give him. See, you, sometimes we get it backwards. Like when you fast, you're not getting more of God. God is getting more of you. That's the difference. Think about that woman in the Old Testament. She had a need. She was in incredible debt. She was about to lose her sons. She was a widow. She's about to lose her sons. They were going to be sold into slavery to pay off her debt. She goes to the prophet and she says, I need your help. I'm about to lose everything because of this great debt. You know, the prophet didn't give her a money miracle. You know what he said? He said, you need to create some space in your life. You need to create some room. So instead of meeting her need with, with a, some kind of financial blessing, he said, go gather empty jars so that God can fill the space that you give him. That's what happens when we fast. We create space for God to fill. I'm gonna remove this thing so God can move in my life. Honestly, that's what Jesus said. God's heart is for you to bear fruit. Part of the way you bear fruit sometimes is pruning. Let me read it to you, John 15, he said, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off 
every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. That, that's what fasting is. I'm going I'm to make the cut. I'm going to remove this for a season so that I can be more fruitful, so that I can be more effective for God's purpose in my life, so, so that I can step into the things that God has for me. And if I can be real honest with you, be real clear, many of the most significant blessings in my life, I would trace back to fasting. Even you think, think about one of the greatest things for our church this this season, this year, we're going to be moving into our new facility. I know we're all excited about that, but I would tell you, I could connect that to last year's fast. We'd been looking at um, a different facility, and we had, had I felt in my heart to give that a full year to see if we could make that happen, and uh, it, we couldn't move forward on that. Last year, we had our fast, fasted and prayed. We put an offer in on the building on 6th Street. Did that in January. February, our offer was accepted. Now that's just one example, but I could go through the gamut of different times where God has led me to fast or how fasting has released God's blessing in my life. That's what I'm trying to help you see. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. When you create space and you say, God, I'm gonna remove this so you can move this. I'm gonna remove something so you can move something. God, that, that's what I'm asking you to do. And I'm gonna help you with this, give you some real practical steps. Uh, so there may be some of you that you're gonna engage with this and, and, uh, and you're gonna fast food. Maybe you've never fasted food before. Uh, I wanna give you some practical steps. First of all, Whenever you start, maybe you're going to start tonight, maybe tomorrow. Just start on juice. Just start on juice. Do juice the first three days and then add vegetables in. Finish out the week that way. The other thing is, as you fast, make sure that you pray and you read your Bible. It's not fasting without fasting and prayer. You got to pray. Otherwise, if, if you don't have prayer, you're just going on a diet and not even a good one, honestly. Sometimes you think, oh, you know, like I could probably stand to lose a few pounds. I'm going to give this a try. Can I tell you, you are about to eat the biggest meal of your life at noon tomorrow if that's your motivation. So you got to go into it with the right attitude, the right heart. God, I want to be more effective. God, I, I want to see your people reached. I want to see your kingdom grow. I, I want an answer in this situation. I need to break free from this yoke, from this burden, from this bondage. God, I'm, I want to see you move in, in this person's life. I, I want to see you help this person. I don't know how you can do it, God, but, but I want to fast and intercede and pray for them. God, I, I need some breakthrough in this area. When you lean into Jesus, when you fast to draw near to God, it will profoundly affect your life. If you do it with the right heart and step into it, you are going to have an encounter with God this week like never before guarantee it always happens God shows up God fills empty spaces fasting is making space in your busy life for God it's about pulling yourself away from the normality of life so that God can fill those places and when you let God 
move, when you remove a little thing in your life for just a little period of time, you'll find that God can remove a big thing, strongholds. I felt really clearly when I got up here this morning just to tell somebody that, that this week that God is gonna answer some prayers for you. He's gonna remove some strongholds. Some of you who have maybe been addicted to pornography, one of the biggest addictions of our day in our nation right now, you're gonna be free from that. Some of you who are a slave to a substance, been trying to quit, stop, can't put it down, you're gonna be free from that. Some of you have been living in a depression, a mental funk, you're gonna get free from that. I don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not denying the power of professional help. I'm just asking you not to deny the power of God. Don't deny what God can do in your life when you remove something so God can move something. I wanna pray for you.